Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Welcome back to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny, a sitcom from the 90s starring Fran Drescher that I'm sure you're all very familiar with. I am Sean DePasquale here with... Toria Sheffield. va 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 boom This week, we are talking about episode 12, season two, Take Back Your Mink, which mm-hmm. I'm going to start us off right away with a little... Little trivia there, you know. Take back your mink is a song from what musical? Do you know this? Guys and dolls. Hubba hubba! It sure is. Take back your mink. Take back your coat. Yep. I don't. I'm losing the rest of it. It's one of my. uh, I love that. It's one of my favorite musicals. I love Guys and Dolls a lot. It's it's funny because Guys and Dolls is one of those shows that gets performed a lot in like high schools and stuff. But that, always- that's how I know it so well is my sister was in Guys and Dolls as an as an extra. <laughs> and so we saw her like three nights in a row or something. But they always do the song wrong because the song is really supposed to be a burlesque number. And oh. they don't ever really do it as a burlesque number in schools. And so it doesn't make as much sense as when you see it performed in like the show or if you watch the movie – uh, w- uh, with uh, Vivian Blaine, the 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 Frank Sinatra version, Marlon Brando, yeah, w- yeah, a very very famous version, and in, in for many reasons, but one of which is Marlon Brando is not a singer, and Frank Sinatra, one of the greatest singers <laughs> of all time. So it's it makes for a great duo. So yeah, it's a musical theater reference in a musical theater reference heavy episode. Not surprisingly, written by Fran Drescher and Peter Mark Jacobson. This was a this was a great episode. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess briefly to recap, this is the one where Maggie is upset with Fran because she inherits a mink coat from a dead aunt, and Fran inherits the the mink coat. Fran, sorry, Fran inherits a, a coat, a mink coat from a dead aunt. Maggie is now upset with Fran because Maggie is on a whole kick, which is sort of the B plot of this episode. Um, where she wants to go to like a protest to save the environment, I believe it's like yes. a climate change kind of thing. Um, which I have notes about that. <laughs> this uh, is well, this is the first time we have um any character trait attributed to Maggie that is not just I want to find a cute boy. Although she is going with a cute boy, that is the impetus for her yeah. going is because a cute boy is going and they're going to spend the night in the park. Uh, they're like doing like a sleep in basically to for this protest. Yeah. Um, and Fran kind of wants to appease Maggie's to not keep this coat, but Sylvia is like furious about it because yes. it's a mink coat. And this was like a very big deal, especially, I mean, mink was like a big deal, you know, it well, was like also, a status symbol. Yes. Well, and the, the other, you know, big thing about this is Maggie's sort of youthful, um, passion for a cause is reminding Fran of how she used to be like that. And she used to be, you know, really like invested in the world around her. And so, and she's, you know, famously 
in real life and also has said on the show, she only wears faux fur. So when she inherits real fur, uh, she's very conflicted about like, uh, and she kind of wants to set a good example for Maggie too, I think, um, by not accepting the fur. We should we should mention, this is one of the few times where I've found IMDb trivia to be helpful. <laughs> um, Maggie never again and never before mentions anything about being an environmental or animal rights activist for the rest <laughs> of the series. And then IMDb points out not only that, but she wears a lot of Agora cardigan sweaters, <laughs> which is something vegans never do. So <laughs> it, it honestly would have made more sense if like, uh, Gracie was the one who was on the uh, yes. on the environmental awareness kick. You know, the in that opening scene, Fran Maggie walks in and Fran is teasing her hair with this hairspray, free hairspray that she got out of one of these magazines. And Maggie is like, Fran, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Fran has this great line where she's like, Oh, honey, please, do you think I got this fullness naturally? <laughs> Meaning <laughs> she's like (laughs) she's like there's a whole system under here (laughs) yes yeah so she she incorrectly assumes that um maggie is shocked that she doesn't have naturally high hair really maggie is upset that she is using um, a product that is terrible for the environment and that's how we set up that you know uh, she wants to go to this overnight sit-in and mr sheffield is like well you can go but you can't stay overnight and that starts you know that b-plot conflict um and then relatively soon after, don't we have the scene with Fran and Sylvia? Yes. And- so we cut to Sylvia's house and it's Fran and Yetta and Sylvia and <laughs> their cousins. Um, uh, Who we've met believe, previously. I, I think we've seen before. Yeah. It's, That's uh, yes. it's cousin, cousin Marsha and Uncle Jack are there. <laughs> and um, I, although before we move to that scene, did Maggie hit a growth spurt in this episode? She looked different taller to me that she just looked i was like oh this is one of those moments where like when you're filming with children where all of a sudden you're like oh that child looks completely different than they did three episodes ago yes and, yes and that happens know. a lot this season i think it with does. brighton as well yeah mm-hmm. well because adolescence is tough man it's not on like a schedule it's not like oh well they'll only grow up in between seasons you know i like when you yep. hit you hit and then all of a sudden it, it can sometimes be like a you know within a week or two thing where suddenly you're like oh that child looks very different now (laughs) yeah she Um, went from she went from like younger girl to like this actress now could have been cast as the like hot teen girl to like put it as bluntly as possible yeah you know like looks like cece's daughter in this episode a lot a lot of times um like a lot of times. And I was like, man, that's like unfortunate casting. <laughs> yeah. And they reference that in a lot of like um sort of online trivia, they actually call attention to the fact that uh, it's very notable how much Maggie looks like Cece specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we've already, as we've already established, they have never been intimate Cece and, uh, and Maxwell. So there's no chance that that happened. It's just unfortunate casting. Um, anyway. Yeah. yeah. We, so we cut to, um, Sylvie's a fantastic house. scene. This is like one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. A great scene in Sylvie's house, which I'm sure felt as familiar to you as it did did to me, which is the very common Jewish family trope of fighting over the will of a yes. dead relative. <laughs> so, and the other thing that was great about this, so as we established, it's Fran, Fran's mom, an uncle, and a cousin. Mm-hmm. And um, they are going through the will and 
they keep referring to people from like the other side of the family and really wanting to make sure that like they get what's owed to them. And and that like weird factionalism of like really othering um, other people <laughs> really hit home. My family is so insular like that. Same. Um, like you're either in or you're out to the point of like even inviting like a friend to dinner. If it was like going to be a family dinner, like somebody would take issue and like, you know, be like, well, I thought, I thought it was just supposed to be us. Um, and so, you know, when there's other families where they're like the more, the merrier, like our house is a revolving door of friends. I'm like, don't, don't get it. Does not, <laughs> does not, uh, speak to my experience with family. Yeah. Um, same. I, my family also, um, the, the Jewish side of my family, not my dad's family so much, uh, the Italian side, but the, the Jewish side of the family, absolutely. Every time someone has died, there has been some faction, you know, uh, uh, like division in the family where it's like all of a sudden it's like us versus them. It's like, yes, well, yes. we never see those cousins, so they're not entitled to anything. And <laughs> and it's certainly completely unbelievable that they might have had like separate relationships and lives with the people that we know. So therefore, and they're bad. <laughs> it's always something weird too, where it's like, well, and you know, like Tommy, you know, when so-and-so's husband died, like he didn't even, you know, go to the funeral because he had a blah, blah, blah for something from like 40 years ago that like proves a point of why like that entire batch of family are like rotten eggs. <laughs> um, but so anyway, so they're going through the list and um, the one thing that they're very fixated in, on is who got the, their great aunt's mink coat, her like prized possession. And it's revealed that it goes to Fran. And literally um, Fran and, and Sylvia jump up like they've just won the lottery. <laughs> um, well, I think actually Sylvia does, but Fran is like, eh, I don't know if I want the mink coat. Because but I, we, but we immediately isn't her get initial, the- Isn't her initial, initial reaction like super, super psyched and then she uh, kind of comes down to earth? Yes. Yes. It, it, yeah. There's a – well, it's like a – it's like a, oh, we won. And then it's yeah. like, oh, wait, the reality – of me wearing this mink coat and also the conversation I just got into with Maggie this morning about, you know, uh, activism and climate change and, and ecology. And, and I think it all sort of hits her at once. Yeah. And so she's like, you know, no, I don't want it. They start fighting about it. Um, we get a very funny line where, where Sylvia is like, um, let's not fight in front of the whole family. Let's go in the other room. And then they walk two feet away into the kitchen and they scream at each other. Yes. And this also rings so true because to Sylvia, it is this huge slap in the face to the woman who has died to not accept her coat. And this is a family heirloom. And at one point, doesn't she have this line where she's like, you know, she came to this country with absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she works and works. And like this coat is a representation of like that American dream. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) Fran points out that, um, how did she? How did she end up getting the coat? It was like completely unrelated to that. It was completely. Uh, unrelated. It was through marriage, I think. Oh no, no, no! She didn't. She win it. She won it on oh, like right. <laughs> she, she won it on won the prices right. That's right. Yes, she's like mom. Yes. She won it on the prices right. Yeah, that's what it yeah. Was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, so Sylvia feels like it is an act of disrespect to the family not to accept something, or you know, not to accept somebody's final 
like wishes basically. Yeah. But Fran puts her foot down and and says, I'm not taking it. And this is what starts a rift between Fran and Sylvia where they are not talking to each other. Uh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, it, Yes, Fran is. You know, Sylvia. Sylvia's mad. She's like, I will. She, at one point, she says, "Um, she says, uh, what if I died tonight? Like, it would be yeah. your fault if I died. You would never forgive yourself for hurting me this way." Yes, <laughs> which yes, is yes. also rang very true to me. <laughs> oh my god, you have no idea. I call it the nuclear option, and it's I. I now as an adult, recognize it as so emotionally manipulative to like, if one person like minorly disappoints you and then you go instantly to like, well, you know, I thought you loved me, but you must not. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even the guilt game of like, well, you know, if you lost me tonight, you just want to think about what you just said to me because if those are your last words to me, you would feel yep. very bad. And it's like, why would you even bring that up? Yeah. What? what? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We all have uh, Jewish parents. It's tough. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so yeah, so so basically, Fran is like, I really don't want this coat. She goes. Uh, they, we cut to now a scene uh, around the breakfast table, one of Toria's favorites. Yeah. Um, Cece comes in a little bit early to the house, and she's like, "Oh, is there extra room for me at the table?" And we get some great Niles jokes about her um, being an, a dog. <laughs> Basically, he makes jokes about like not allowing animals at the table. I think he does uh-huh. one about like, you know, uh, uh, serving her dog food. Um, yes. But this scene is was very notable to me for a little bit of character evolution because he gets in all of his digs at her and she takes a seat. And then all of a sudden we see him and like as he's serving her, he stiffens very abruptly and like almost like yelps in pain. And then she very smugly lifts like like lifts her hand up into view because it's been like below the table and she's holding a pair of metal tongs yeah. so she clearly grabbed his testicles with yes. these tongs and squeezed and she kind of does it very casually and just like moves on to her next thought yeah, it, and you can yeah it reminded me of the a couple episodes prior where she um jabs him in the ass with her brooch with the yes, pin on yes, her yes. brooch so she we're starting to see now more um, examples of CC, like she's she's done taking it and not giving it back. Like yes, you know, and it works. It's working it works. very well. It's working it does very work. well. It works, um, and I think one of the reasons it works is because Niles never gets mad. He like takes it and accepts it. Like okay, fair. <laughs> like I yes. just ragged on you for fifteen minutes. And you grab my testicles with uh, metal tongs. Fair. Yes, it's it's almost like slightly like surprised but impressed. <laughs> But then and, we get a great line where Cece's like so happy to be at the table and she's like, I just love being part of this family. And she looks across the table at Gracie and she goes, how's your morning going, Stacy?" Yeah. <laughs> and then Brighton's like, it's Gracie. And she goes, oh, I know. I was just kidding. And then she's like pauses and she clearly has a word on the tip of her tongue and Brighton's like, Brighton. And she's like, yeah, it's Brighton. <laughs> so she's clearly, you know, awful and self-absorbed as always. Um, and we just we just further established that Fran is like really upset about this coat situation. Um, and then I, I believe that um, it's either this scene or the next scene where basically Mr. Sheffield really senses that, um, you know, Fran is very unhappy. So he decides to invite Sylvia over for dinner in order to to try to smooth things over. 
Okay. And so then that leads into this <laughs> incredible scene where um, it's before dinner, like maybe an hour before dinner. And Niles points out to Mr. Sheffield that if Maggie is not talking to him, to Mr. Sheffield, because she's mad about not being able to go out to this, you know, overnight uh, activism thing. And Fran is not talking to Sylvia. Then the onus of conversation with Sylvia is going to fall on him, Mr. Sheffield. And he's instantly like, oh my God, I need to like bring somebody else in on this. Like, I can't do that. At which point Cece walks in um, and he's like, Cece, do you have any plans? And she's like, oh yeah. It's like, I need to go pick up my grandfather from the airport. He's in a wheelchair. It's a whole thing. (laughs) And then then he goes, and then no. And then she's like, wait, why? Do you need me for something? And he's like, well, I was going to see if you wanted to, you know, join us for dinner. And she's like, oh, absolutely. And he goes, but wait, what, what about your grandfather in the wheelchair? And she goes, oh, it's fine. He can just throw a 20 in his mouth and wave it around. He'll and get a ride. his head around. It was so dark. It was so dark. She like, the, the, she, the so second good. she gets the opportunity to have a family dinner with them, she, She's in. Yeah, she's, she's willing in. to forsake um, everything. And then, and then they butter her up even more by saying, well, and you know, Fran's mother is going to be here. And at first she's like, not excited, but they're like, you know, she, mm-hmm. she constantly says how beautiful you are and you know, how, how she, you're one of her favorite people. And, and Cece is so sad and desperate for human connection <laughs> that like she instantly does a 180 and is like, she's basically yep. like, oh, I, I always did love Sylvia. <laughs> oh, I, I really can't wait. Make sure I'm seated next to her, okay? <laughs> and like, it's just so sad and so manipulative. Um, and then uh, Fran's mother arrives and she and Fran are being very, very cold to each other. Um, and it's revealed that Fran, as a child, used to win her mother back by singing um, a song from Fiddler on the Roof. Yep. Which song was it? It was um, Sunrise Sunset. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So basically, <clears throat> she, Sylvia walks in and there's like some tension and she's getting ready to walk out. And Mr. Sheffield throws like a napkin on Fran's head and she wraps her head and she's like, no, don't make me. And he's like, do it. And she starts singing Sunrise Sunset from Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. And it instantly wins her mother back over because yes. the lines are like, it's like basically a song about – growing up and you know remembering her as the little girl she once was yes uh, <laughs> yes it's it, i mean it, it is a mother it is like a it is like a song between like a mother and a daughter and it's it's literally like is this the little girl i carried mm-hmm. is this the little boy at play and then like sylvia can't resist if she's like i don't remember growing older sunset yeah exactly um so it's just and then it's so sad because a minute before um she had been um paying some attention to Cece because she'd been like willfully ignoring Fran. And, but it, no sooner does that happen do do Fran and Cece, Fran and Sylvia make up, they embrace. Cece also tries to embrace all, both of them desperately. And then Sylvia goes, it's over, <laughs> which was just so mean too. Like, she, like, you're just like, Oh, but the thing is the actress who plays Cece just threw herself into this desperation so much. It made me laugh so loud. And and she's quickly becoming one of my favorite characters, I've realized. Yeah, she's great. She's yeah. great. I mean, it, it, it helps a lot that the actress is um, like so, so, so good. It can be, she's incredible comedic timing. Um, mm-hmm. She really, really does because this, 
could easily not be as funny of a role as it is. And she is just always on point with her timing. It's always funny. It's, it's always, it's always, she always has the right reaction at the right time. Not too soon, not too late. She's really great. <clears throat> yeah. Really and great. she's so game to make a fool of herself, which, which is actually a lot rarer. It, like I think comedy, you know, it looks so easy and it looks so fun, but it's actually like very much a, a, a craft. And she just, you know, is so game to look completely pathetic, which is wonderful. Um, and then so that resolves that plot line. And then I think at this point, Maggie approaches Mr. Sheffield and she's like, Dad, like I've decided that, you know, if you decide not to let me go to this overnight um, sit in, I'm going to respect your decision. And he's like, ah, oh, Maggie, thank you. Like, I'm not going to let you go. And then she just screams, like, I can't believe you and runs up the stairs. And I, and uh, that's just uh, the funny little button of that. So let's actually, let's actually switch into segments. And now segments. So segments yeah no i think we should move on to segments i to say we can move on to our segments and now segments segments uh with sean and toria <laughs> uh so, well so first let's do favorite favorite moments favorite lines is there anything before we get to this end stuff that we haven't already kind of brought up um for you lines wise let me think let me go through my rolodex because i did watch this <laughs> way too long ago at this point um, I, we didn't mention this scene when we were recapping the episode, but I absolutely love when, um, Fran actually tries on this fur coat because one <laughs> thing that we skipped over is an effort to sort of manipulate her and, and make her actually accept the coat. Sylvia has it sent over to the house and <laughs> Fran is like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. And then she puts it on and she's like, it's so soft and lush. Can you believe it? Like, like she's the like, one she's like Niles, the satin lining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, just the the shift at which she tried, you know, that in her mind of how she actually thinks she could ac- accept the coat was very, very funny to me. Um, yeah. That scene again, also pays off with another funny line. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And then basically everything CC. Oh, the, 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 there was this one moment where I literally laughed out loud. Where after they resolve everything, you know, during dinner and Sylvia and Fran make up and CC tries to hug them, <laughs> Niles walks in and goes, uh, "Miss Babcock, uh, the airport called. Apparently, there's a man in a wheelchair um, going around the luggage claim belt," <laughs> and she just goes, "Ooh." <laughs> like her reaction was so she like so starts awake and then just runs off yeah yeah <laughs> i i loved that part um yeah yeah because- well and, and the resolution of of her ultimately buying the coat um i also oh, really yes we completely really forgot yes um, yeah it's completely because, forgot because that. ultimately the resolution with the coat is that fran agrees to keep it to to satiate her mother's desire to have won this family heirloom, um, only for Cece to walk in and go, oh my God, I love that coat. I'll give you $10,000 for it right now. And Fran's like, well, and Sylvia's like, done, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, it, it looks better on a blonde anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I guess just goes to show you that, you know, cold hard cash is worth more ultimately to working class people than than yep. any type of heirloom. Yeah. And and I, I have to say, that was a gorgeous coat. I would love mm-hmm. a coat like that. 
I really would. And it was already, you know, as Fran even said near the end, like it had already been killed decades and decades ago. It's not like she was, you know, it was just going to go to waste. Um, But so, yes, that was an excellent moment. Sure. The animal died in vain, ultimately. Yes, yes, yes. It was just going to get thrown away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another favorite line was when they're fighting over whether or not Fran should take the coat. She says, I'm not putting an animal part anywhere near me. And then she points to a platter on the table and she goes, could you pass the tongue? Which yes. <laughs> there's also, <laughs> there's also a, a similar line in there about them not eating bacon. Um, and, uh, and Fran being like, well, you know, we're reformed. And yeah, then there's another it. reformed line in there where Sylvia is trying to convince, Sylvia's trying to convince Fran to, to get the thing to get the coat. And she's like, well, mom, why don't you just take the coat? And she goes, because my breasts are too big. And Fran goes, well, that didn't stop you from wearing a tube top to temple. And there's a long pause because Sylvia doesn't really have a defense to it. And then Sylvia just goes, it's reformed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which the thing is, I realize if there's a lot of people who might just not know what that even means. Um, And basically there is, generally this is very huge generalization like three types of temples you can go to if you're a jewish person in the united states you can go to reformed which is sort of like jewish light it's like you know they they often will do their services in english instead of hebrew women can be um cantors where um which is not technically like allowed in the jewish religion it's very you know embraces a lot of sort of like modern elements it's the best then there's, it's the best it's it's the best it's great well, then, i love it as a reformed jew i love it then there's conservative, which is kind of an in-between. And then there is orthodox, which is, you know, the very um, fundamental is fundamentalist is maybe too strong a word, but a lot of orthodox Jews will, you know, they'll wear, uh, the women will wear long sleeves and not show their ankles. Many of the women will wear wigs, it, you know, to not show their hair in public. Many of there's the women of- are relegated to just being homemakers because that is their purpose, mm-hmm. supposedly. That is their, their job. There's a lot of Orthodox Jewish communities in Brooklyn. And this is and honestly, that's different from the Hasidic community, which is it's a thing in and of itself and actually more extreme. I would I won't get into 100%, the politics. It's of it. more extreme. We don't get we don't have to get into the politics, but it is yeah. definitely more extreme than yes. even than so, even um, and I'm not even I'm not even like putting the Hasidic community into this breakdown of the reform conservative orthodox. But I they made me go, I've told you this, to a conservative temple, Hebrew school as a kid, three days a week, two and a half hours each. Wanted to blow my brains out, John. <laughs> I also think, the, I actually think the bacon pork line is actually in the next episode, now that I think about it. This there one is was, one in the next episode. Yeah, this I, one was about the tongue and it was about the tube top and the temple being reformed. And the next episode has a great pork it line. It does. I knew you would flag that line. Yeah, I knew it. Um, um, another favorite line of mine that I, I kind of want to discuss is they're sitting around the breakfast table and Fran says, oh, my to Mr. Sheffield, my mother always likes you because you remind her of Dave from the Chipmunks. And he's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And then and then he's like, ah, I, for, oh, I forget the connecting line now, but he brings up George Jetson and she goes, no, he's too goyish. And I got to ask, is George Jetson more goyish than Dave from the Chipmunks? Isn't Dave and the Chipmunks, aren't they the ones that sing that famous Christmas song? Mm, let me, I got to look up a picture because I think um, Dave, uh, the Chipmunks, he, ha- I think his coloring might be a little Jewier than uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, like for example, <laughs> I mean, 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't, I was just being, I, um, you know, you're, no, you know what? Now that I'm looking at the cartoon version of Dave, you look <laughs> very, super good. Very, 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 um, like kind of waspy. But I will say that uh, Jason Lee, I think, could play Jewish. You know, sure. Jewish. Yeah. If you're going yeah. off the Chipmunks movie, which didn't exist at the time, they were clearly only talking about the cartoon. So, yeah. No, even if you, <laughs> I just, I went Dave the Chipmunks images. Like he's literally, he looks like he belongs at a, at a country club. He should be wearing a Christmas sweater in every picture you see him in. Yeah, but now I'm going to have to also Google George Jetson just to really <laughs> hold on. Uh, well, did you have any other like favorite lines in this episode? Um, I think we, co- I think we covered it. Um, yeah, George Jetson definitely not Jewish. Also, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, neither one of them is more or less Jewish than the other. They're both Fred Flintstone Jewish looking. Agreed. Agreed. You know. Okay. Um, Agreed. Okay. I think Fred Flintstone could be Jewish, and he married a Goetia woman. He married a Shiksa. That's true, though. A lot of Jews are redheads, so. Uh, also true. All right. Well, All right. so let's get into since I brought up shiksa, which is not the Yiddish word of the week. Let's get into the Yiddish word of the week, um, which is schwitzing. Schwitzing. Now, I don't remember schwitzing ever being brought up on this show before. Maybe it has, uh, um, because it's a pretty uh, uh, common Yiddish word, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and schwitzing really just means like sweat. It means sweating. You have a schwitz, which is like go sit and have a sweat, you know, or, oh my God, you're schwitzing, which is like you're sweating like really bad. Uh, and, th- and that's the context that's used in here. I don't know if that's something that was n- unclear in the way it's used in context, uh, but basically it's, it's Sylvia says to, uh, says, uh, you know, oh, look at you, you're schwitzing. <laughs> you're so nervous, yep. which is just like you're sweating yourself a lot. Um, yep, yep, yep. A, va- a favorite word of mine, favorite Yiddish word. I use shitting a lot. Yeah, I use it a lot. Um, and then and then we can get into trivia. So <clears throat> the trivia really kind of focuses in on on the references made in that in that final scene. So they're talking about two different things. We're talking about the Dick Van Dyke show, which and w- yeah. I'll just say this is when they're all uh, huddled around the TV. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, so th- yeah. at the end, they're all huddled around the TV and they're watching the Dick Van Dyke show. They mention it. They say, we're watching the Dick Van Dyke show. And they remark, oh, how come Millie, which is a character on the Dick Van Dyke show, never got her own friends? Like, how come Millie never got her own spinoff show? And then Yetta replies, I heard the actress was really difficult to work with. The joke is that Yetta is, is that character. Millie Helper from the Dick Van Dyke show. Is yes, and Gilbert. Yeah, and yep. Morgan Gilbert played uh, Millie on the Dick Van Dyke show, and then years later played Yetta, and so that's a fun, fun little uh, you know fourth wall sort of breaking meta thing. And then earlier in the episode, Mister Sheffield asked Fran why she's always watching Days of Our Lives, and she's like, "You're right. It hasn't been the same since Shane left." Um, and he makes uh, Mister Sheffield makes some line about, "Oh yeah, I heard he was terrible, and he was terrible at a British accent." Mm-hmm. Shane oh, no, was he, played by Charles Shaughnessy, who plays Mr. Sheffield on The Nanny. Uh-huh, <laughs> so it's uh-huh. another inside joke about an actor who has now gone on to be in this show, um, being bad at their previous job. <laughs> yes. But the funny thing is also, and we talked about this previously, a lot of people gave Charles Shaughnessy flack yeah. for having, quote, a terrible fake British accent. He really is British. So. That's just his accent, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's just what he sounds like. That's um, just how he talks. Yeah. And yeah, and I think the actual line was like, oh, an 
like a terrible fake accent and like he walks off um so yes it was a very insidery winky meta end scene um Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. delightful very delightful um and yeah i mean that's that's basically it uh oh the fran or the cc hmm well you really liked that coat so (laughs) yes I'm trying to think. I think we know who the CC is here. I'm trying to think if I would. um... (laughs) The sad thing is I don't have any real ethical platforms to stand that I have. I'm like, I'm like, what's important to me? And like, would I, would I break that for something like this? And I'm like, I don't think I have any, uh, anything that I believe in so strongly, but I think um, Am I what? Are you not against fur and, and wearing fur? Well, I was going to say, like, if I got it, for, it was an antique shop. Oh, wait, one second. Let me... Hey, Google, stop. Um, If there was fur at an antique shop, I would find, like, no harm in that. You know, I mm-hmm. think, like, don't let something go to waste. Um, But if I was going to – I mean, I can't even imagine now, like, walking into, like, you know, a store – like a Nordstrom's and buying a fur. Like that right? seems that seems insane. It seems insane. I mean, I and also I'll say this, the faux fur market has some excellent, excellent pieces. I, yeah. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure the faux fur market has almost at this point eclipsed the fur market. Um Yeah, but oh my God, I will say that Sean, have you ever felt like a real fur coat or like a real fur like like um earmuffs or anything like that? It no. is it is to die. No, for. I come from poor like, people. No, no, no. I mean, it's not like I ever had one either. But one time my mom went to Alaska and she came back <laughs> with like, it was either, I think it was like snow fox ears or something. I don't oh, wow. know. All I know is there were these earmuffs. And like, you fully, fully understand why it is like the most luxurious experience and why it's equated with just like luxury. There, like, I, while I would not actively buy it for myself now, like you, you can't deny that it feels like slipping into like a warm, cozy, like cloud. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I pro- oh, I also realized, you know, I I think I would probably buy a pair of UGG boots nowadays if I was like living in a colder climate. So, is that is that considered? I mean. Is that for utility or is that, you know, is that I, not? A- I think it's not. No, it's if it's made of actual real fur, it's bad. So, I mean, I mean if you bought faux fur boots for cold weather, that would be acceptable. But if you were wearing like real fur, I think that's considered unacceptable. So I guess generally. I am. Sl- I guess I'm not that great a person because I, I <laughs> would definitely buy Ugg boots, for example. Um, mm. But that's uh, not real fur, is it? Sure it is. They're made in Australia. They're um, oh god, you know what I? Oh god, oh so the truth is coming out. I have to really like look myself in the mirror one of these days. Didn't I tell you how the when my mom visited a couple weeks ago, she she pulled out this moisturizer and she was like, "Oh, Toria, you have to try this moisturizer. It is it is the best. I you know it has brought my skin back to life. Like please try it." I'm like, "Oh, okay, great." And she kept saying it was um it was it had emu it had emu and I, and I was and oils and i was like mm. oh and i put it on my face and it felt amazing and then i look at the ingredients and like ingredient number one is emu oil and i'm thinking like okay, okay. like what plant what what <laughs> botanical is emu oil 
It is oil made from the fat of an emu. Yeah, dude. What did you think it was? I had no idea that that was a thing that existed. I could not believe I just slathered it all over my face and that she didn't warn me or give me the heads up. And apparently it is like a big thing in Australia, emu oil. It's a very common skincare ingredient. It's it's supposed to be soothing, anti-inflammatory. They farm emus for their fat for these things. And um, I ordered myself a bottle. So... I yeah, guess no, I mean, and I was wrong. Ugg boots are in fact made of shearling, which is the skin with the fleece still attached. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I want to look into. Our, I'm going to say Uggs ethically made. No, they're not. Yeah. No, How no, do you know? sheep are castrated, and parts of their tails are <gasps> cut off, often without painkillers, before they're finally slaughtered for their skin. So, <gasps> no. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I'm looking at the I'm looking at the website right now. How what is the ethical way of stripping the flesh from an animal? Well, you could have them um you could have them live very nice lives and then um uh, not <laughs> I guess so. I what guess I gotta look into the emu stuff though. <laughs> um all right, well, so you're the CC, uh I'm the Fran, and um yeah, we've established uh, that Toria might not be morally that great of a person. Whatever. I've seen Sean eat a bacon cheeseburger before. It's true. I do love bacon. <laughs> it's true. I'm, I'm not I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan. I just won't wear – I don't – I'll eat it because I feel like that's nutrients, I guess. <laughs> but like I don't know if I want to just parade around wearing like animal skin. That makes me feel weird, like so weird, you know? I don't wear the bacon as a hat, Toria. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that would just be too tempting. You smell too delicious. <laughs> I would smell. I would love it too much. All right. Um, and that's basically, that's it. That's the episode. Take back your mink. Um, yep. If you liked this episode, or if you didn't, let us know on social media at oh Mr. Chef Pod. That's on Instagram and the Twitters. And if you really liked this episode, go leave us a five-star review and a comment on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, because that helps other people find the show. If you hated this episode or this show, don't leave a mean review. That's just petty. There's got to be something else you can do, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So something, anything else just you can do with listen. that. Just don't listen. Just don't listen. Just don't listen to it. Just, just shut it off. And never listen to us again, unfollow us on all social media. We will not be offended if you do that. But we will be slightly offended if you go out of your way just to say something mean. That's just mean, guys. But you they know? can, you know, I guess you can express an honest opinion. Hey, listen, everyone's free to do whatever they want. I'm just saying it hurts our feelings. So if you care about feelings, at least mine, because I care about the feelings of animals, maybe not Toria so much because she's like a miniature Cruella de Vil with less money and better hair. Uh, then I guess, go, oh, you know, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll it's take you, it as a compliment. She got much better hair. I don't like that. Hair. I don't like that, that look on <gasps> Cruella. Yeah. No. All I heard was the compliment. The rest just went through me like a sieve <laughs> or a shiv, depending. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Bye for now. Bye. The flashing girl from flashing. Banana named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>